In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, A friend of mine, a guy from seminary, every year or so toward the end of May, beginning of June, he, uh, he posts an apology on Facebook. It says something like this, uh, to everyone who knew me in high school, I'm sorry. <laughs> you see, I think the idea is that looking back on the 17-year-old version of himself, it's not just the, uh, the feathered mullet and parachute pants that are embarrassing, but a whole lot of other stuff too. I imagine most can relate. To everyone who knew me in high school, I'm sorry. Thank God I'm not that person anymore. Well, I think the biblical Joseph, uh, the one we meet in our Old Testament reading today from Genesis 45, if he had a Facebook account, might have posted such an apology. I mentioned a few weeks ago what a royal tool the 17-year-old version of Joseph was. He gets that fancy coat from his dad, Uh, Very poor parenting, by the way. Can't give one kid uh, five presents at Christmas and the rest just one. That's a recipe for a family disaster. And then Joseph makes it all the worse by parading his favorite status, coat and all, before his brothers. He has these dreams. They're really gifts from God about how God will raise him up and his brothers will one day bow down to him. And he figures it's a good idea, not once but twice, to shove that in his brother's faces, too. He's very hard to like, that kid, that Joseph. And so when his brothers throw him in a pit and then sell him off into slavery, well, it's a bit much, we say, but only a bit much. We understand where they're coming from. Maybe we'd done the same thing if we were his brothers. Well, a lot happens um, after those initial um unpleasantness is, some 20 years of stuff, actually, that that changes Joseph. He sold into slavery, ends up serving an Egyptian bigwig, only to have the lusty mistress of the house hit on him. And for insisting on being a stand-up guy, he ends up falsely accused, tossed in prison. Enslaved for 13 years. Enslaved and imprisoned, that is, for a total of 13 years. Imagine the resentment just stewing there in this cold, dank prison. The, the, uh, the resentment, how it must have just festered. Now, maybe a couple of moments of introspection, but you have to think that through all of that, his hatred for his brothers. How could they have done this to me? How it must have grown. But that hatred was his constant companion, maybe the thing that kept him going. Hmm. Well, you, you may know how this story, uh, the story how Joseph... He successfully interprets the dreams of a couple fellow prisoners and then his reputation as interpreter of dreams finally gets him out of prison because he interprets dreams for Pharaoh and that means, or sees him uh, rise in the ranks uh, right into Pharaoh's household to be the most powerful man in the world behind Pharaoh himself. And that's where Old Testament lesson picks up. These brothers, the very ones who'd human trafficked him thrown him in a pit and human trafficked him 22 years before, show up in Egypt because they need to buy grain because there's a famine in their land. They figure Joseph's long dead. They don't recognize him. He's older. He's all dressed up like an Egyptian. There's been a couple chapters back and forth of Joseph trying to get the bead on what the brothers are up to, but then in our reading, 
it's time for the big reveal. Joseph just can't contain himself anymore. Can't keep up the the, the charade. We're told that he he, uh, bursts into tears, bawling so that the whole household of Pharaoh hears him crying. And the big reveal calls his brothers, come near, brothers. Let me see your beautiful faces. I am Joseph. I am alive. You sold me here. And and I may be reading between the lines, but I have to wonder if now this grown-up Joseph, looking back at his high school self, at the kind of royal tool he was, maybe just understands at least he half deserved what happened to him. Maybe even understands that the reason that God let all this stuff go on was not just so that Joseph could preserve the life of his family, you know, by keeping them from famine, but also that so Joseph could be humbled, could, could save his own life, be saved from that jerky version of himself. He says, I'm Joseph, your brother. You sold me here for jealousy, but God sent me here for your life. I love that juxtaposition. You sold me, but God sent me. He knew it was up. It's got to be one of the most powerful, you know, touching, beautiful scenes in all, all scripture, this, this interaction between Joseph and the brothers. By the end, everyone's crying. And you see, the thing is, here for Joseph, um, uh, revenge is just served up to him on a platter. I mean, think of all those years of resentment, and maybe he's looking forward to this day if it would ever happen. Uh, that resentment festered and the hatreds festered, maybe so much so that it kind of became part of his name. I am Joseph, whose brothers sold him. But then wonder of wonders. When it comes right to it, when he has that chance to nail him. Nowhere to be seen. Let's him go. Let's him off the hook. Grace to his brothers, forgiveness to his brothers, grace, forgiveness, a royal feast, and tears of joy all around. Which is what we always do with our resentments and hatreds too, right? Maybe some family resentments that fester over decades. They always work out with this. Big happy tears and a party, right? Wrong. Which I think is part of the reason that this is such a powerful story, so memorable, because this is not the way things always, or at least usually, work out. I mean, we all know from our own personal experiences, maybe even your own families. Families are great, great gift of God, but let's be real, they can also be the worst. They can also bring the worst things out of us. Families can become veritable storage units for resentment and hatred. not in terms of your own family, maybe with someone close to you, perhaps. Maybe you're just waiting for your Joseph moment, for your chance, for revenge to be served up to you on a silver platter. Maybe you're storing up your resentments, spouse, ex-spouse, kids, parents, thinking to yourself, you just wait because karma is cruel. And I just hope I can be there to see you get yours because you really hurt me. All in our own ways. A bit like Joseph in that prison cell, storing up resentments and in our hatreds become our companions, so much so that it's hard to think of yourself without naming those resentments too. I am Jane, who Joe? 
sold into slavery. Like that stuff almost becomes part of your name. I see at funerals sometimes, maybe you've seen this too. It's not always the case, but oftentimes there seems to be a couple folks there, maybe just one sometimes. It's the part of the family who are not just sad, but angry. Angry at death. Not, I mean, so sorry, not just angry at death in general, but angry. Angry because in some way they feel they never got their chance. Mom or dad or brother or sister, they just went up and died before they had a chance, before they had to face the music. You wronged me in 1982. How dare you die before you make it up, before you've made it up to me? We know all that stuff, but somehow Joseph, he's different. Let's them off the hook. I mean, mean, the 17-year-old version of Joseph, we know what he would have done. Fancy cloak and all, if he held all the cards, revenge on a silver platter like that, he would have demolished those brothers. Deep pits and worse for them all. But now 22, 22 years later, what had happened? Well, a lot of things had happened. But maybe we can reduce those to one thing. What had happened to Joseph? Grace happened. Grace happened to Joseph. Over those 22 years, God's grace, his undeserved favor, over and over and over again, seeped into Joseph. And as a double grace, he was even given to see it, a little bit of hindsight to see what God was up to. You can imagine his internal conversation as those brothers come. Man, what an arrogant little son of a gun I was. <laughs> it's hard to blame my brothers for what they did. That coat, what boneheaded parenting from dad. There's all the, the human traffickers, the lusty mistress, the cold, cold prison cell. But then those dreams. This is the perfect touch. Remember, it was Joseph's dreams, his inability to not shake those in his brothers' faces. It was those dreams that got him in trouble in the first place. And then what is it then that ends up raising Joseph out of prison and slavery? Dreams. His interpreting those dreams. Dreams got him into jail. Interpreting those dreams, the interpretation of dreams that God gave him sprung him from jail and sprung him into Pharaoh's household and turned him into the king of Egypt. From punk little tool parading his stupid coat like a whatever to king of Egypt. How could that be anything but the grace of a kind and compassionate and forgiving God? And so Joseph says to himself, if God is that kind and compassionate and forgiving to me, how can I be anything but that to these brothers of mine? You know, looking at this story, I think what the Holy Spirit would want us to see is that we're all Joseph and we're all these brothers. We're all recipients of the massive mercy and grace of an all-forgiving God. Look at us here. What royal tools we've been, and yet we are here. We are the great unhooked, the throng of the let off the hook, the multitude of the mercied, a gaggle of the graced and the graced and the graced again. We're Joseph, we're, and we're the brothers. 
We, 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 like those brothers, we stand before a king, not of Egypt, but before the king of kings and lord of lords. The lord of lords thrown into a pit. For our sins, thrown on the cross and then into the pit of the tomb, but now raised up. We stand before him. All we've done and left undone, all served up on a platter. What will he say, this king? What does he say? My brothers, my sisters, come near to me. Let me see your beautiful faces, grace, forgiveness, a feast for all, and tears of joy all around. God worked on Joseph for 22 years, turning the arrogant punk into a royal forgiveness. God is working on you and me right now. With a forgiveness that you cannot out-sin, he is bursting the doors of those storage units where we keep our resentments. With his every take and eat, he's loosening our grips on the bitternesses. With my blood shed for you, he's making it a little bit harder every time to see even our worst enemies, maybe even a member of your family against whom you hold a resentment, making it a little harder to see even our worst enemies as anything but with us part of the great unhooked, the throng of the let off, the multitude of the mercied, a gaggle of the graced and the graced and the graced again. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.